Hello, welcome. You're listening to Feed, Play, Love, a bite-sized parenting podcast, a place you can find advice, understanding and support as you care for your small humans. I'm Siobhan Hunt. When my husband and I were thinking about having a second child, part of our thinking was that our daughter would love a little brother or sister. And perhaps we should have asked her first, because ever since her little brother has arrived, they've been fighting, both of them. It could be over a toy or something as perplexing as he breathed on me. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure we've all had that happen if you have more than one child. And it drives me nuts. Dr. Kimberly O'Brien understands that sibling rivalry can be challenging, and her company, Quirky Kid, have just released a book that can help. It's called Siblings, with an exclamation mark. Hi, Kimberly. How are you? Hi, Siobhan. Thanks for that creative introduction. That's so nice. (laughs) My pleasure. I would like to know, how common is it that siblings squabble, or is it just my family? No, it's definitely very common. So we find that at the clinic... Almost every parent that comes through will tick that box on the intake form. It's often that we'll work through a whole bunch of other issues and they'll say, oh, but sibling rivalry, that's pretty standard, isn't it? Like, as though we all accept it. We, I mean, in our household, we have a boy and a girl, 10 and 13, and they squabble. But I think when it's like constant and it's if it was, you know, one more powerful than the other, that's called sibling bullying. There's a term for that. Wow. <laughs> for that. And um, that's when someone's self-esteem is impacted by, you know, ongoing verbal insults or physical aggression, then that's just not on and you need help with that. That is so interesting because I admit when my kids would fight, I always found it really hard to mediate because you're often not there when it starts Mm -hmm. or you can even see it happen and just be completely perplexed about how to mediate that particular argument. But that definition is so important, isn't it? Yeah, I definitely agree that... It's good to normalise things so we know that we're not alone, that you can talk about it, of course. And I think a lot of um, parents do talk about the dynamics within the siblings. But there's a really good book called um, Siblings Without Rivalry, and it's a parenting book. It's, there's not that many books on the topic, but that's a specific one that has cartoons on what to do when they're trying to negotiate. And it pretty much talks about giving them time to try and find a resolution before you step in and tell them what the solution is. Um, I'm going to have to get the details of that book for <laughs> yeah, me and anyone listening yeah, sure. who wants to know. So we'll put that in the notes, uh, the show notes. Yeah, that part about when to step in and mm. when not to. I guess, you know, we often talk about parenting and the influence of our own experience growing up. Mm-hmm. And I have an older brother who's four years older. And mm-hmm. the way we grew up, I always felt like he was picking on me. Mm-hmm. And when I've now I'm an adult, I do see it as bullying. Mm-hmm. So I'm so sensitive when the eldest, my eldest child is mean to the youngest child. Mm-hmm. Yep. But when I see that, I'm also very cautious of not demonizing her. I don't want to put her down yes. if what she's feeling is legitimate. So how do we know when it's time to step in. Yes. It's such a good, I think, just that discussion around like remembering your own sibling experience and whether you wanted the parent to step in and say that's enough. You definitely, I think, as a parent, will have like more protective feelings towards the younger one, feeling like they can't defend themselves or, you know, physically they're not as fast or as, you know, able to to climb and move away. So I think that's a natural instinct to try and protect the younger one. 
and I see at the clinic sometimes we'll have you know kids as young as like like the the bully being like two and then the baby's a newborn and mums are talking about having their like toddler on a really short leash and that they won't move out of an arm's reach from that older child so they can always just pull them back if they are getting quite aggressive because we've seen things like you know heavy books and you know really heavy objects being slammed on the you know the new baby's head so oh it's, it's like <laughs> it's a serious topic right so um yeah when we when we talk about it in the clinic setting we're usually working with older kids where the issue's been ongoing for quite a few years and particularly around COVID we saw an influx of referrals from teenage boys and so there'd been physical fighting in the household that wasn't there before COVID. I think just that build-up of aggression and frustration meant that parents didn't want to step in but they didn't want the other siblings in the household to feel like it wasn't safe. So yeah it was really interesting to kind of bring them into the clinic and we do use this book kind of as an icebreaker so it looks at two different perspectives Mm. the brother's point of view the sister's point of view and it's designed so that there's you know an upside down version so you have to flip the book to see the other perspective and I I love that because I didn't quite understand when I first opened the book this is the siblings book which is a picture book that it's quite simple so it it can cover quite an age range like I was I started it and I thought oh no this is too young for my eight-year-old and then by the time I flipped it over I went hmm actually so what I love about this apart from the fact that it's beautifully illustrated because I find sometimes these books that are meant to be used as scaffolding can mm. be very patronizing a bit patronizing <laughs> and a bit like educational mm-hmm. as opposed to entertaining which most picture books are entertaining and yes. that's what gets kids you yes. can't just do a picture book and think they'll love it, it just because there's pictures they have to be fun and engaging right yes and this book is definitely that so you read about so you're seeing it from the daughter's perspective that mm-hmm. her little brother's really annoying and then you flip it over and it's not the exact opposite. It's actually quite nuanced how the Mm. little brother sees the big sister. Yes. Particularly in parts that it's actually really, she's really unkind to him with something that's quite um, lighthearted for her and not important is devastating for him in a way. Yes. Yes. And and that's kind of brought us back to the sibling sessions in the clinic and that by talking it through, so I'll use the sibling book as a starting point and then I'll use it as a um, kind of like a barricade or barrier between the two siblings. So I have them on the same side of the table. And this is something parents can do at home as well, like just with a big piece of butcher's paper, just asking them to draw something that they do well together, that they like to do. So then you get things like playing games or, you know, hide and seek or Easter hunts or whatever it is, the good times. And then I'll get them to flip the butcher's paper and look at the things that don't go so well together so that you can kind of go, okay, it's all around just sharing skateboards and scooters or it's all around being in my room, touching my stuff. So once you can kind of see it and it's visual, then you just circle the bits like discussing which one would you like to work on first? Let's start with the easiest and we'll just go with the easiest thing and then see if we can lay out some ground rules and they'll be like, I won't touch yours if you won't touch mine deal you kind of like just get it all contracted signed off and and then like you feel this like sense of relief that we've kind of worked through it all like checking in is there anything else no all good so then you'll you know they'll come back two weeks later and we'll say how did you go with that not going in each other's room or not touching each other's stuff and you might need to tweak it a little bit but pretty much once it's black and white and discussed I find that the tension just yeah it's just released and the kids are a whole lot happier and they also know that there's a place where they can come and untangle those kinds of issues because sometimes talking to a parent about it can mean that it just starts to escalate and 
you know, just feels like a consequence already, having to talk it through with the parents. Yes, yes. And and so in that scenario, it sounds like you're giving them the onus to work it out. Is that right? Kids are so smart and they always know more than I do. They always have the answers and I'll just let them brainstorm until they come up with something. And I think, that sounds good. And then the other one might say, no, that's not going to work because blah, blah, blah. So we're like, yeah, that's a good point. Okay, so you're kind of just being the curious facilitator that's waiting for the best idea to come through or waiting for an idea that they can agree on. I like to make it visual, so I tend to draw the different, um, like they've done what works and what doesn't work, and I'll kind of draw like the ideal scenario and, <laughs> and then just kind of maybe point, you know, little arrows going to the rules that will help to create this scenario. And yeah. then it just seems pretty simple. The parent comes back in, we go through it together, and then they go off. What about when it's not physical things? So the things you mentioned there are things like touching their stuff. What about things that are, it's like a tone of voice mm-hmm. or saying mean things to them or just not, yeah, just being mean. What do mm-hmm. you do in that scenario? Like, because they can't really draw a picture of that, can they? Or Yeah, I think it's a good point to... Um to really have your ground rules at home, so no put-downs, no no hurting, no hitting, those kinds of things, and to have, like, a family check-in to say, I think you're doing really well with, like, putting your bikes away. Like, that's been awesome. But I have noticed there's been a few, you know, maybe sarcastic kind of tones, and you could kind of just, like, point out what you've noticed and then to see whether we can address that for this week, and then we'll check back in next week. And, and I think when you just are able to express it and really pinpoint what the issue is, then everyone's more mindful of it rather than just a general unhappiness. You know, it's like, specifically, I think it's this is not working. Yes. <laughs> and then get feedback from them, see what they think as well. So, yeah, I think family check-ins are another highlight as well as one-on-one time with each parent. So you've got that relationship. So they want, they actually want to hang out with you and they don't want to make things unpleasant at home because, yeah, when it's good, I think everyone in the family wants it to remain that way. Yeah, and that idea of... Just letting them sort it out. Ah, yes. You will hear parents say, as you mentioned at the start, it's really normal for siblings to fight. You know, I used to bash up my brother and we were all fine. Is there ever a time when we should just stand back? I know you mentioned that it's sometimes they need a bit of mediation, especially when it's one is bullying the other. Are there times we should just sit it out? Mm, I think that's a really... um good point to be trying to be sensitive to so as a parent I think just like sitting back listening you know to the tone any kind of screechy kind of desperate tones would mean like jump in but just kind of like using your own senses to think now is this something that they're working through or is this something that is just not working so I think like give yourself at least two or three seconds to sit back and absorb what's happening before you jump in just as out of routine is it okay when you notice straight away that it's mean language or tone or just a put down mm-hmm. to say straight off, that's not nice. We don't do that in this house. Mm-hmm. I think I find myself, if I hear that straight out going, that's not nice. Why would you like it if he said that mm-hmm. to you or if she said that to you? And then I, I'm worried that I'm coming down too hard on her. I'm not being even handed enough. Mm-hmm. Should we step in and call it out when we see it or... I really love the sensitivity of your questions because I think that that's a lot of parents are kind of thinking, you know, there's that conflict of like, I'm not okay with it. I'm going to nip it in the bud straight away. I don't like that tone. Don't go there. Like, you know, Mm. just want a short, sharp fix. 
but then to then, you know, consider what you've done and how you've become involved in their dynamic and maybe, you know, questioning, did I come down too hard on that? That child, am I impacting on my relationship with that child? So I think all of those things are worth discussing in the family meeting to go, I notice I tend to jump in a lot. I'm going to try not to do that because sometimes I regret it and I think you can probably sort it out yourselves. Mm. And my relationship with you, like older sister, is so important and I want to do some more sewing and fashion designing and I want to do you know, top three things that she likes to do that you can join in with. And I think the kids will know. Mum's onto it. She values that relationship and she's going to give us a bit more time to sort it out and we can show her that we can do it. Mm. And you've expressed how you're feeling, so you should feel relieved and go, right, yes. <laughs> over to the kids. <laughs> I, really, I already feel like I need to listen back to this interview. <laughs> um, do you think that it's inevitable that there will be conflict between siblings? I mean, my daughter's two and a half years older than her brother. I don't remember a thing from when I was two and a half, but according to her, she can still... There's something in her that remembers when it was just her as numero uno. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas my son, he's always had his older sister, so he doesn't feel like he's lost anything. Yes. He just gained something. He adores his sister. Yes. So in some ways, it feels like it's quite hard for the eldest. I mean, just by the very nature that we... Most of us don't have multiple births. Mm-hmm, this is <laughs> is true, there right? always going to be that conflict? I think it's, again, something that, you know, that one, that your relationship with the older sibling is something that is really special, that you had your time together where it was just the two of you. So to have that time, again, is like something that needs to be valued and nurtured on a regular basis rather than we have to do this together. I think siblings together all the time is just frustrating and probably a little bit boring for the kids. So by giving them stimulating individualized activities, then you'll bring out the best in each child. But I think also having that time when you can spend one-on-one with the eldest to say, I remember when it was just you and I, and I remember you used to love to do this. And reminiscing is so important as far as like rebuilding that relationship. So I think it's important for both siblings, but probably even more so for the eldest. Oh, I think there's so much more we can talk about, but I'll get you in again. We can talk about birth order. I would love that. I would love that, Siobhan. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming in. My pleasure. So that was uh, Dr. Kimberly O'Brien. She's a child psychologist from Quirky Kids. The book is called Siblings. There'll be links to that book and also the other one that Kimberly mentioned in the notes of this mm-hmm. episode. Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. I'd love to hear from you, so if you'd like to get in touch, email me at feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time.